0: You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 32 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, our host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And this week, he's been requested a few times. We have Luke Nelson, of course, a Great Britain senior international, but also just starting his professional career. Uh, He's in his rookie season in Spain, which of course we spoke about, asked him how he's settling in, how that's going and kind of uh, got a little breakdown of uh, what life as a pro is like. And then spoke about his college career. Of course, he had a very successful um, college career, was named the Big West Conference player of the year. In his senior year, we spoke about that a little bit Um, and then going back to his early junior days between Worthing uh, and and then Reading. You know Luke holds a special place in Hoops Fix's heart um, because he's one of the first players that we've really followed from the very beginning, all the way through to now. You know we started covering him as an under sixteen, um, and then now you know he's doing this, these all these big things. And it's it's mad to see the progression, and makes me incredibly proud actually. So yeah, it was really really great to uh, to have this call with him. I think it's a really interesting conversation that. Hopefully, uh, you'll learn a lot from and, and gain a lot from. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Drop me, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com, or you can reach out on any of the social media profiles uh, at hoopsfix. Uh, and of course, if you do enjoy the episode, please share it. Please help it spread la- uh, far and wide. We are trying to grow the pod, um, increase our subscriber base, and increase our listeners, and that can only be done with your help. Anyway, that's enough from me. I will leave you here. Here's the conversation with me and Luke Nelson. We are honoured to be here today with Luke Nelson. Luke, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So, um, like I we was just saying, just before we start recording, uh, there's loads of stuff that I want to get into, but I feel like uh, the most obvious place to start is kind of uh, where you're at right now. And, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a new season. It's your first season being a professional basketball player. Um, you're yeah. seven, seven, eight games in. Kind of how, how has that been? Like, uh, what are your early impressions of being a pro has it met your expectations uh well my first my first kind of thing i
1: noticed is it's very cutthroat you know uh i we kind of had a few players in the team early that came in and out you know just you know weren't quite getting along with the with the office and, and all that kind of thing so you know it's not it's they don't they don't need you so that's kind of one thing that i i realized pretty early on so i've got to make sure that i'm performing the best to the best of my abilities and i'm also you know uh, being a good person off the court and being respectful of the of the of the club so but I mean in terms of on the court I just feel like it's just a new kind of system for me to learn and a new kind of environment to play in so I feel like I'm adjusting but I feel like I'm adjusting pretty well so far but I still got a lot to learn so
0: has it been has the standard of play uh been higher or more difficult than you expected or is it about roughly where you thought it would be no, I'm, I'm. I think it's pretty much what I thought it would be. I, you know, it's a very, it's
1: a very highly respected league across the world, and I and I knew that coming in, and I knew, I knew it was going to be a challenge, and I'm and I'm glad that that is a challenge. You know, something that I kind of I welcome in life. You know, it's, it's always good to kind of to test your boundaries, and I'm kind of testing mine now. But I feel like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm doing alright so far.
0: And talk us through kind of like uh, you know what, what the life of a pro is like. You know, like you said you, today is actually your off day. Um, you know what happens on your off days what happens in your downtimes what happens during during a regular day when you've got practice what happens during a game day can you kind of talk us through that how that's been uh, well
1: practices is normally there's we normally uh we we'll have one day off in a week and then of the six days there's be the one game day so then there's five practice days and for the for here at real Business we do two days of two practices and then the rest are, are just one practices per day so uh, it's, it's I honestly wasn't expecting it to be you know a lot that much practice. I thought it'd be more kind of one practice, a bit longer practices. But um, yeah. So as I said, five days a week, there's practices, and then game day. You know, that's that's kind of your whole focus. And then on my off day, I just try to not think about basketball. You know, play video games, talk to the family, just do anything that's kind of not basketball related, just to kind of give me some a bit of a mental rest as well as a physical one.
0: Do you do you find uh, has it been a surprise at all for the amount of downtime that you have? Like one of the things that I've always found when I am um, speaking to guys that are playing overseas is that you know even if you've got two practices in a day, that's only going to be what like four hours out of the day, and then you've still got all this other time. Um, what do you find yourself doing during that time? Uh, is there any is there any things is there any other stuff sort of outside of basketball that you're trying to spend your time doing, or are you keep trying to get an extra workouts? Like uh, yeah, so what, what are you doing with all your time?
1: Uh, like in between practices, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll be taking a nap. That's kind of high on the priority <laughs> list in practices because it's just it's a lot for. Uh, it's, although it's only really four hours, as you said, it's not like we're we're walking around for four hours. You know, it's pretty intense. So i will try to get a nap in if I can. Uh, I mean, other than that, uh, I can't really. There's not really a whole lot. As I said, just kind of play some video games. Just make sure I'm I've got my my stuff squared away in terms of you know the, kind of the the house and the, and all
0: that kind of stuff.
1: Um, but other than that, it's pretty much just twenty
0: four seven. And what's the what's the living arrangements like? Is it the the the, the club uh, provide you with your own place, or you sharing with other players? I
1: mean, it's different. I think every club is different, but here, uh, basically, they kind of they kind of point you in the, the direction. They kind of have a good relationship with a, a real estate agency, and then they kind of put you in touch with them, and then you find your own spot basically by yourself. So um, I I live by myself in a in a house. Uh, I'm, 10 minutes drive from the arena so it's really convenient and there's a supermarket right next to me uh, it's, you know it's a nice place to live and I can't complain so um, but no um, it's not really it's not technically the clubs but the club basically
0: said this is the place you probably want to live yeah. and then um, I guess like you know for you for a long time I would assume that you know being a turning pro has been a goal and kind of now that you're <laughs> now that you're here uh has it met what you thought it was going to be? Um, honestly, it's, I haven't really given it
1: a whole lot of thought, but um, I feel like, I mean, this is the world I'm in now, and it's about learning, you know, kind of how how, how kind of everyone operates and the, the way the, you know, the professional leagues work. And because I kind of figured out college, you know, I had four years of, to get used to that. So now I'm just trying to get used to, to what it's like here. and. I, I didn't I didn't want to come in thinking, oh, it's probably going to be this way, it's probably going to be that way, because then, you know, if something doesn't go according to plan, then I kind of, you know, thrown off a little bit. So, I came with an open mind, just trying to learn, you know, every day, and uh, just get better at what I do.
0: You mentioned college there briefly. How how would you compare it to college? Uh, you know, is it is it nice to not have to worry about the studying side of things now and just being able to focus purely on basketball?
1: Yeah, that is a bit of a relief. But, uh, I mean... I enjoyed my four years, was, you know, that that's part of the challenge of college is, is learning to balance, you know, school and basketball, you know, there's something you love and there's something you kind of have to do, but you know, you know, it's the right thing to do. So that was a, that was a kind of, kind of a long learning curve for me. So once I got that figured out, then it was just kind of finding the rhythm of, of the day-to-day life. And I'm still in that kind of, that period of the learning curve here and I haven't quite found my, my day-to-day rhythm yet. But um, as I said, just every day, I just got to try and, try and figure it out and keep learning.
0: Do you um do you have like media uh, sort of appearances that you have to schedule in as well as the playing side of things, or is it just uh you know basketball? If you have media stuff to do, it's just straight after practice or straight after games, or is there other? Do you have like uh, appearances with like you know like in the community? Um, like how much how much sort of contractual obligations do you have outside of just the basketball side of things?
1: It's not too hectic. There's been a few uh, like events. Like for example, the most recent one I can think of was uh, the day before one of our home games. We went to the to the Real Betis football stadium before one of their games, and there was like a bunch of kids outside and there some mini hoops. And we just you kind know, of, I was kind of speaking my three words of Spanish that I know, you know, <laughs> um, trying to trying to have a bit of fun with these kids who were just kind of throwing the ball towards the hoop. So it was just kind of it was just more us being there. And but for me, because I don't speak Spanish yet, I'm hoping to learn. I don't know how quickly that's going to come, but hopefully at some point I'll, I'll be reasonably I'll be able to have a conversation in Spanish. But um, so I just kind of for me it's just, it's just the appearance rather than the actual doing yeah. of anything. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense.
0: But. yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So, do, do you, do you um, are you having uh, Spanish lessons at the moment? Uh, I'm
1: not. No. I, as I said, I, I do I do want to, but it's, I
0: still haven't quite found my
1: rhythm. You know, to, to day-to-day life. So once I kind of figured it out, then I can start adding these things in. So that's just kind of where I'm at.
0: So at, at practice, uh, what language does your coach speak in?
1: Uh, well, um, we've actually on we actually had a coaching change uh, since we've had our second game with a new coach. The first coach we had kind of spoke broken English most of the time and could kind of go in and out of Spanish and English. But the new coach doesn't really speak a whole lot of English. You know, every now and then he'll say if you talk to you know guys specifically who don't speak Spanish. But we have the assistant coach. Is, is, is you know his English is fantastic, so um, he kind of translates uh, during practice.
0: And so then, so then during the game, if a, you know a timeout's called and and uh, you know it's a, a sort of situation where the the coach wants to outline what he wants you to do or whatever, do you have the assistant next to you kind of translating during the timeout?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, in those situations he'll try to speak a bit of English, but then I still won't really understand sometimes, so I have to go to the <laughs> assistant coach. But, I mean, it's it's never a problem, you know. There's always guys around that you can speak to and kind of... I I mean, all the players speak English as well, so if I I have any questions, I can speak to them. So,
0: it's never a problem. Do you feel like, um, you know, because when you you originally signed, obviously you signed with Gran Canaria on a two-year deal, do you feel feel like that kind of uh, allows you to think longer term in terms of settling in Spain... And thinking about, you know, learning the language and getting more integrated with the culture than if you were on, like, just a one-year deal?
1: Uh, I mean, maybe in terms of the language side of things, you know, it kind of makes sense for me to want to learn, learn at least part of the language so I can kind of, I don't have to grunt at people and point at, at menus and stuff, so. <laughs> I mean, but in terms of on-the-course stuff, no, I mean, I kind of just kind of work week by week, but I guess off the court, you could say... Maybe if it was a one-year deal, I, I, I think it's good to learn a language. I've never really learned another language. and I always kind of thought Spanish was a good language to learn. And if you're living here now, it makes sense for me to to make an attempt at it. But if I was on a one-year deal, would I want to learn? Probably. Would I kind of work harder towards it? Probably not.
0: So, yeah. so then when you were assessing... How- I think it's fascinating uh, to kind of see the the side of of um, of being a professional basketball player that that none of us see or, or get to hear about or get to know about. So, so I I guess kind of as you were coming towards the end of your um, your senior year, kind of mm-hmm. what was going through your head? Like how do you, the in terms of I I would assume I mean you know correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that the sort of the first stage is, is working out an agent and choosing an agent. Um, yep. So how can you talk us through kind of that process? Like what uh, where did the agents that you were considering, like, where did they come from? Um, how did you make that decision? What were the factors that you took into account? Okay,
1: um, this might be a bit of a long one, but basically, firstly, I want to, I have to thank my dad first and foremost because uh, I had a lot of agents contact me during the year. My dad, my dad said to me, you know what? If they contact you, give them my email. Tell them to con- to talk to me. Basically, he was like kind of my honorary agent in a way. Yeah. I would kind of send them my dad's email, then they would email for however long. I would get the occasional message from the same people, but if anyone knew, normally it was either Facebook message or Instagram DM. I got a few um, you know, agents getting in contact with me. Sent them to my dad, and uh, he said, look, don't worry about this agent stuff. I'll I'll talk to them until your season's done, and then I'll kind of give you a, a short list of who I think is, is worth it. So he kind of gave me a list of, I think it was eight to ten agents. He said I should, I should kind of have a conversation with, from them, I spoke. To, I spoke to those guys, you know. Also, with the thing with agents is hard to really know because everyone kind of says what you want to hear.
0: Yeah. So
1: I it was about to kind of figuring out who I who I genuinely thought you know wanted the best for me and was actually going to put in the effort for my career. So um, it was hard to do that over the phone. I met a couple of them in person, but uh, there's a lot of fun conversations, and just kind of whittling it down. I kind of I try to cut it down, kind of. Each week, cut it down by a couple of agents and say, you know, I'm sorry, thank you for your interest, but uh, I'm going to go elsewhere. And it took me, from the end of the season, I think it took me about maybe two months to decide. It's, it's kind of a long process. There's a lot of kind of going back and forth and talking and figuring out what their vision is for me and in comparison to my own vision. And it was, honestly, at the end of the day, you have to go on your gut feeling. And it's hard to, for someone who, especially for me, I haven't been in the, in the, in the business that long. I don't really know what a good agent is and a good agent isn't, so uh, I had to go with my gut, and I, I, I haven't, I've had no reason to regret, and I'm very thankful for, for my agent, Adam, Adam i I shout you out. So thank
0: you for, for getting me where I am. And so then when you when you sign with an agent, is that like um, do you sign like a sort of multi-year deal, or is it just like a one-year rolling contract, or kind of how, how does the agreement work? Uh, it's a one-year deal. Uh, it
1: automatically renews unless you want to revoke it, but I don't see that happening anytime soon.
0: And do you get um, obviously you get hit up by agents all the time? But do you ever get approached directly by teams themselves, or does everything happen through the agent?
1: I mean, I I didn't. I think there was a couple coaches contacting me from on Facebook or something rather authorized sign saying, "Oh, we have a team for you." I was a bit like, "Okay, well, you obviously don't really know the situation I've <laughs> time, But yeah, I mean, anything serious and that is worthwhile, normally, we will go through the agent I believe I don't I don't know if it works like that for everyone but for me that's kind of how it's been so far
0: so then after signing with the agent um, kind of what was the next step you know we know now that you you ended up playing NBA summer league and you had workouts with various NBA teams um, but kind of how quickly did it all happen you know how quickly uh, did you start assessing uh, opportunities and offers from various clubs in Europe uh, well, the first thing was the work, NBA workouts
1: and uh, that kind of came pretty quickly actually after I signed. I think a couple of weeks after I signed, I had my first workout with uh, the United Magic and then they flew me out and did all that stuff. And then it was kind of like a, I had kind of quite a long gap in between my next workout, which was which was in L.A. So, I mean, it, that was the first thing on the on the list. And then from there, we had to kind of, I actually had to play well enough to get an offer for a summer league team, so uh, which I, luckily I did. Uh, and then I spoke to the agent about, you know, it's just would this be the best team for me to play with? Would it give me a chance to, you know, to show what I've got? And, uh, you know, cause obviously he knows more about that than I ever, ever could. Um, uh, so then from there it was obviously I played with the Clippers. Um, and it was just, obviously just do what I can there. And then after that, it was, it was the European stuff. So it was kind of like in two stages, really. It was like kind of the push for the NBA stuff. And then after that is the the European side of things. And, um, that um, I wasn't really involved in as much because eh? they worked through like a partnership uh, agency and uh, they basically, they'll get like some talk and then it'll go th- back to my agent and then to me and then we'll kind of talk about it and see, you know, to feel what was right. And then we got a really good offer pre- uh, pretty early on actually from from the working area. So um,
0: I ended up signing with that one. Uh, can you share sort of what other opportunities you were looking at in Europe? Um no, I'm still like, I
1: don't I am where I am and I'm very happy to be where I am right now, so
0: let's leave it at that. So the um, the NBA experience, we have to talk about it, the NBA workout experience, summer league experience, uh, you know, I've had actually a few people asking me to, to speak to you directly to do an interview and find out kind of, kind of what it's like. Um, so how was it, like, you know, the workouts, the summer league, like, you know, did you feel, do you feel like it, it lived up to the sort of the, the razzmatazz and the, uh, you know, the showmanship that the league, the bright lights that the league has. Um, was it a luxury experience? Like, how, how does it all work with the teams? You know, are they, are they flying you in and giving you loads of free gear and, uh, and kind of, um, I guess, trying to impress you? Like, yeah, kind of what's the, what's the process like? like <laughs> talk us through the process of an NBA workout. Like, what happens?
1: I think it was, it might have been different for me than it was for a guy like maybe Lonzo Ball. You know, I think maybe he got that kind of treatment, but I mean, it was, I was never disrespected. They were very respectful. I was treated very well. But I wouldn't say it's a little razzle-dazzle and all special treatment and a bunch of gear. You know, I got, they flew me out, um, picked me up from the airport, did all that stuff. Um, with the two workouts in LA, they they sent a driver down to Irvine, which is about an hour hour away. So. That was all. That was all fine and perfect. They, you know, pick me up to take me where I need to go. They give you a bit of money to pay for some food um, while you're there. And then in terms of the workout itself, you know, they kind of. Uh, each each from I, I also spoke to my coach Russell Turner about because he was in the NBA um, for a few years and uh, I kind of wanted to know what to expect. And uh, he just said basically every organization is different with how they run their workouts. And from my three workouts, I could I could I could tell that you know. Um, with Orlando, uh, we did uh, it was a lot of shooting stuff. And then with the Clippers, it was mostly live, one on one, two on two, three on three kind of stuff. And then with the Lakers again, it was more transition stuff and shooting, but not, uh, not any live. So it kind of depends on the, on the franchise. Um, but, you know, they treat all the players really well. You know, we got a bit uh, it wasn't a lot of gear. We got a couple of t shirts and some shorts and some socks, which I still wear, actually, because they're really comfortable um but yeah it was it was honestly for me it was a really good experience to kind of see some of these guys who who then got drafted I was you know I was working out with them just to kind of see where I was at in in
0: comparison but it was, it was a great experience for me did you feel uh did you feel nervous like before you worked out uh i think
1: not nervous in a in way that it impeded me I, I feel like being nervous can be can be a good thing and i feel like if you have that respect for, for what you're doing and you know that you know, this this is this is this is it's not a huge deal, but this is a big deal. You know, I have a chance to work out with a an NBA franchise, and that's a, that was a big deal to me. So, I just had to go in with the confidence, knowing that who I of what I am as a player and, and who I am. So, it was kind of like a balance between feeling you know good about myself and also you know being respectful of the situation I was in. But uh, I wouldn't say I was nervous as such, but uh, I was definitely aware of, of what I was doing. if that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Did you, did you get nervous before games? Um I don't think no no. Nah. I mean, when I when I used to play it was obviously a long time ago but I used to get so nervous for games my heart would be pounding and I'd be sweating and then the moment the ball was thrown <laughs> up it would always you know you'd always just relax instantly but um, yeah I used to always try to tell myself it was my body telling telling me that I was ready rather than I was absolutely yeah. crapping my pants but, uh, but yeah <laughs> it, was, it was a long time ago. Um, so <clears throat> So yeah, so the NBA experience, uh, when you look back on, on, your, on your college career, uh, are you proud of it? Are you, was it as good as you expected it to be?
1: I am extremely proud of my college career, but I'm also extremely disappointed. Uh, <laughs> obviously, make, making the tournament in uh, my sophomore year was, was amazing, and that kind of gave me a taste for it. And not to get back there was extremely disappointing for me. Um, Tears were shed. I'm not ashamed to say, you know, um, especially my, especially last year, this year just gone, you know, I felt like we were the best team in the conference, we couldn't, on the day, we couldn't make it happen. And uh, as the leader of that team, I felt responsible. I know it's not completely my fault, but I still, I always look at myself first and say, well, you know, what didn't I do? So, uh, in that respect, it was disappointing, but if I look at it as a whole, you know, I you know I had a great time. I had a I was in a, a lovely area in, in Southern California. I had a it's a great school, good coaching staff. You know, uh, there was no kind of kind of shady business going on from from what I know anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm extremely happy with what I did there. You know, I feel like I feel like I made a difference to the program, and I feel like it's in a it's
0: going in the right direction. We did the were you expecting uh, the conference prior to year?
1: Uh, I got to a, well not at first. Uh I, Obviously, before the season, you look at the, you look at the, the people in the league, you say you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm the best player. But then again, it's another thing to prove it. And obviously, then I got injured early on in the year, and that was uh, you know, a big setback. So then those kind of thoughts kind of went completely out of my mind. And then you know, as I got back into rhythm, and I felt like you know, I felt like I was dominating games, and I felt like you know, I'm, I felt like you know, I'm the best player in this conference. So I felt like you know, I deserved it, and. um... But I don't think I was expecting it as such because obviously with my injuries and and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I was very thankful to receive it.
0: I feel like it, it came as a bit of a surprise. It was like you, you had a good season, but I don't think anyone was really expecting. It. Probably because of the, how many games did you miss in the end? You missed a fair few, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I believe I missed um, eighteen games. Yeah, but it's uh, obviously it's freaking it's awesome. Uh, do you feel like? Yeah. Do you feel like? Um, Obviously, being British, being from England, do you feel like the sort of the British fan base has really got behind you? Whether it's you know in your college career and now as a pro, do you do you hear from a lot of um, sort of British fans on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it might be um, that are kind of following your career? Like, how connected do you feel still to the UK?
1: I'm very. I
0: mean, I, I don't
1: think I don't get bombarded with messages or anything like that, but I definitely feel like. People know, notice when you know when something goes right for me, which is you know I'm very I'm very grateful for, and, and you know and you, you as well. Who's fix has been pretty pretty big in my career, so thank you for that.
0: no problem. Pleasure's all mine. I always say like it's uh <laughs> it's so cool like you know with um you know I see like ball is life hoop mixtape and and these guys and kind of where they are now from where they started and they have these relationships with just all these guys because they've been following them for so long, and it's almost like you're the first one now cause, you know, we still haven't been around that long. It's well, it's been seven, eight yeah. years. But you're the first one that is kind of like from the very start, all the way through to now. Like I was just before we got on this call, I was looking up. Um, I was looking up various different things, just doing some research and stuff. And obviously, your, your mixtapes come up from like 2013. I'm like, that was four years ago. Like, <laughs> I just can't believe how how quickly the time has gone. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable to think that you know a few years ago you were playing for Worthing Funda, then Reading, and then. You know, and now you've done four years of college and now you're, yeah, you're playing pro. Like, it's absolutely mad.
1: Um, It's weird. I I felt like for college, it went by so slowly, but also so quick. Like, while I was there, I felt like it dragged on a little bit, but now I'm out, it's like,
0: those four years passed by so quickly, you know. Do you feel like your junior days in England are a long time ago?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, I felt like a really long time ago. So, obviously, the four years in, in Irvine, I was just, that was all I was thinking about and I didn't really... Look back at obviously you look back I look back maybe two years, you know, you kinda of go back two years you think, Oh what was I doing two years ago? And then yeah. by two years ago I was I was in college so it's crazy.
0: So talking about talking about the UK connection, um obviously this this summer, uh you represented um Great Britain, senior mm-hmm. men. Um you know, how how was that for you? Like you received the first call up a couple of years ago and obviously for various different reasons it, it never ended up happening. Um mm-hmm. And this year was, was the first one. I felt like, you know, watching the, watching the team, like you bought something different that we kind of haven't had in recent years. Uh, how do you feel like you slotted into the team? What do you think that you brought to the team and how kind of was your, was your experience with the, with the national team over the summer? I think it was a really
1: good experience. Like, first and foremost, it was a great pleasure to be, you know, I was grateful to be wearing the Great Britain jersey. You know, I bought something I always wanted. It just didn't really fit into my kind of, my life schedule a couple of years before that. So, you know, it was just amazing to be wearing the jersey in the first place. And, you know, so for that, I'm grateful. Um, but for me, it was, it was, I kind of felt like I wasn't, I, I felt like I played okay uh, over the summer, but I didn't feel like I was really myself. Um, maybe you could put that to a learning curve or whatever, but, you know, I felt like, I felt like I was okay. I felt like I didn't help the team, but I didn't feel like I helped, helped us as much as I could have, maybe. But that's, just, that's always how I kind of look at look at my performances. I never... I never really feel satisfied, um, but I think that's why you know I continue to improve because once you get satisfied, then you relax, and that's not kind of a place I want to be. But um, you know, I, I, I plan to represent GB as much as I possibly can. Um, and like if I continue to get the opportunities, I you know obviously I'll give my all. And obviously we've got the the um, the first kind of window coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. So but it was a great. You're sport. definitely going to be there
0: for the upcoming window. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to confirm but yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, nice.
1: um I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at camp. I can't get you know, you never know what can happen. Yeah. yeah.
0: So then so. how would you assess um the team's performance at Eurobasket?
1: Um well disappointing, it's obviously not fun to, to lose every game, but um we have flashes, you know, we, I thought like we have flashes of good play and you know, we show we can compete with some of the best teams with the best countries in Europe. Um, but then again, flashes is, isn't enough to win games. So um, at the end of the day, you know you can be happy with how you play, but it does come down to whether you win or you whether you lose. And so, so for that, so in, in that respect, it's disappointing. How,
0: how was the morale of the group? Um, obviously, you know, like you said, when you're when you are struggling to get wins and stuff, uh, things can get difficult, and it's when guys can potentially start uh, blaming each other. Or do you feel like you were quite together as a unit despite the results?
1: I believe so I don't think there was any you know friction obviously guys were frustrated obviously that's that's natural. there was some word shared between between guys and which is completely which is how you kind of get out of that rut if you're losing so I don't think there was any you know there was good chemistry but obviously there was also guys who who were frustrated at losing which is which is completely natural and i'm uh, I'm experiencing that right now with uh with betters because we are zero and eight, and uh, you know, guys are starting, starting to wear on guys, and that's just how that's how it works. That's how the game is. If you're if you're a competitor and you really care about winning, then losing like it, it annoys you and it
0: frustrates you. So that's completely that's completely natural. How do you approach that? You know, personally, like how are you um, how are you dealing with it? How do you how do you work on the sort of the mental side of, of things, which I would assume is is almost just as just as big a part as the as the physical side of things.
1: Yeah, hey, not bigger. Um, for me i I always look at myself I, I look at what did i what did I do in the game what didn't I do what could I what could I have done better you know um so for me it's you always look inwards before you look outwards and that's something that i kind of I've learned throughout my career and uh like with this team I feel like i like I said to you earlier I don't really feel like I'm quite in my rhythm yet and I feel like I'm not completely playing the way I should play but Knowing that will come with time, like, isn't good enough for me. I want, it, I want it to happen now, you know, but, um, so I'll continue working on my game and making sure, you know, I talk to the, to the older guys and kind of learn from them, which I'll be doing with the GB team as well.
0: Do you find, uh, in, to- in terms of working with older guys, um, and having sort of, sort of veterans take you under their wing and, and sort of show you the nuances and, and things, um, are you in touch with any uh, sort of GB guys or, or older guys from the UK that, um, I would assume your dad, obviously, but uh, but, other guy, <laughs> but other guys, um, like players, that are guys that are still playing that, that kind of are in touch with you? Like, I'm always interested to see how um, how much the British guys that are playing abroad or in college or whatever are still in touch with each other. Um, so is there anyone in yeah. particular that you speak to a lot on, and kind of discuss the, 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 the sort of pro-life with? I mean, I wouldn't say we do... I mean, normally when I talk, those are like my
1: those are my boys, you know. So it's not always about basketball. So um, I'm mean, still in contact with uh, like Jules, who was obviously with the summer, uh, Cavell as well. Uh, I still talk to Dwayne and Tyrell every now and then. Kingsley, uh, Mo, obviously a lot of guys who are here now, like Mo. Who I, I just saw him when we played them a couple of weeks ago. Um, also, uh, since the summer, I've, I've I've seen Gabe as well because we yeah. be played against his team and Dan Clark, you know. So it's just kind of like. Every now and then you see guys. It's not like I'm always hitting them up. I say, "Oh, what's going on?" You know. Yeah. But um, and whenever I see them and I talk to them, you know, it's all love and uh, it's good. To, good to kind of see where they're at in comparison, you know, to to my situation because obviously, for myself and uh, and and Gabe, it's our first year in A C B, so we're still trying to kind of learn where we're at and kind of figure out, you know, how to perform at this level. So, so
0: it's always good to talk about that and kind of see where he's at and he, see where I'm at, kind of thing. What do you think? uh if you were to try to describe someone that's not a professional basketball player uh, what it's like playing in the a c b um uh, what would you say about it what what are the things that are not so obvious
1: um uh, I'm still trying to figure that out for myself to be honest but, uh, yeah I mean it's big you know if you know if you if you look at anyone else any other team with disrespect you're gonna get you know they're gonna they're gonna punish you for it you can never look at another team and say, you know, this guy's not very good because, you know, everyone can play. This is the second best league in the world. You know, you gotta respect everyone and, and, and demand that respect in return by the way you play. So, um, I don't think there's anything that's not glaring, glaringly obvious right now. I've, I've noticed. I'm still trying to figure it out. So, has there been um, any?
0: Has, has, do you think there's been any um, parts of your game that has made you aware? Or more aware of uh, than you were at college, that are potential weaknesses that you need to work on. Uh, I don't think anything specifically. I just feel like, um,
1: I feel like, you know, I feel like there's always room to improve in every every area of my game. Um, there's not like I, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I can perform at this level. as not like I'm looking at guys like, oh, he's way better than me, or anything like that. Um, it's just about learning how to to find yourself within this new kind of this new um, like systems and the and the new teams that you're playing against and the, the new skill set. It's a very it's a very different skill set from America to to Europe and the way teams play and the way individuals play. This is just about figuring it out and figuring out where your strengths can can fit
0: in. What would you say the biggest differences between playing in America and, and Europe is? It the sort of the individualised approach, right, compared to the team approach.
1: Okay, I mean, I guess I mean the way the guys move move the ball here is.
0: Is is pretty incredible at times, you know.
1: Times when I'm defending, I just feel like I'm always a step behind, you know. And that's something I haven't really felt in a while. So um, again, I just got to, you know, take these mistakes as they come. To I'm gonna I'm gonna make mistakes, you know. That's that's natural. It's gonna happen.
0: I just got to make sure I learn from them. Do you spend a lot of time uh, watching tape and sort of reviewing your own performance?
1: Uh, as a team. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple. Of, I think we normally have four video sessions a week, two of which will be our own stuff, and then the rest, uh, maybe two or three of, of the upcoming team. Um, I kind—I watch over the games um, and I watch over my minutes just to kind of see what I was doing. I don't—I try not to get too too into that. So for like, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like I have to learn on the court and, and adjust to what I'm seeing rather than because you know, I can watch myself and get really frustrated at times. Um, so I don't want don't, to do that too much, but i got to make sure that I am learning from my mistakes. So I do watch film.
0: One of the things that comes across talking to you and obviously having watched you over the years is kind of this, uh, the unwavering belief that you have in yourself. Um, you know, like <laughs> if uh, people talk about the clutch gene and, and for me, like, especially watching you with uh, you know, England and, and Reading, um, you know, when the, when the game was on the line down the stretch, it was always the ball's going to Luke, and you just have this knack for producing uh, in the crunch time. Can you talk about kind of your your mindset around that? Like, where does that come from, first of all, and and okay. how do you, how do you approach uh, sort of those moments, the crunch time moments when the games are close, and and you know you're gonna have the ball in your hands.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. That was very nice. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't really know. It's hard to really explain what goes because I think at that point of the game, it's not really. There's not really much conscious thought going on. You kind of just trust in you know, the work you put in. And you know, when the, when the time comes, like, either you're ready or you're not. And uh, I try to be ready as much as I can. So It's hard to really say what, what's going on because I don't think there is a lot going on. You just kind of react to what you see on the court and, and, just, and just, you know, a lot of this
0: is muscle memory. Is there a particular game winner uh, from your career that sticks out? Um <laughs> I mean there hasn't been that many yet,
1: like there's or yeah, um,
0: clutch moments. Uh
1: I think one that sticks out to me as I think about it is the one uh when I beat the buzzer against Leicester when I was already. Yeah. That's the one I kinda when whenever I think about that, that's what
0: pops, pops into my brain,
1: so let's go with that one.
0: So looking at... Uh... Looking back to uh, your time at Reading and Worthing, your time in England, sort of before you before you headed stateside, um, yeah. There's a few things I I think are, are worth uh, picking out. So, so one is kind of the decision to go to Reading. So obviously you you, uh, you grew up in in Worthing and you come through the Worthing uh, Worthing Thunder program. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were making that decision, so uh, you know you leave Obviously, leaving secondary school, going to college. What made you decide to go to Reading? Um, I'm assuming that you had a fair few options. Kind of, uh, yeah. What were you, what were your options? What what were you considering? What went into that decision?
1: Uh, well, I looked at uh, at Canterbury and Bristol were the other two that I was, I was really considering. Uh, Bristol mainly, obviously, because I've Andreas obviously I'd known since I was uh, under fifteen with England. Um, obviously, my dad works in Bristol as well, so that kind of that kind of made sense a little bit. Um, I went there. I, you know, I looked at the, the whole ace program and everything, and the same thing with Henley and Reading. I just felt like I just felt like the I had more of an opportunity to play Division One men's, which was the reason I was moving uh, at Reading. So that that was kind of like the main thing. Like, where am I actually going to get to play, and you know, be given a chance to make mistakes? Um, and I felt like the coaches at Reading were, you know, were great coaches, and I've had, and to this day, I still still believe in that. They helped me get to where I'm at. So, uh, so yeah, it was at,
0: just... At that, just time, yeah. at that time, we're, Worthing, Thunders were still in Division 1 as well, right? So why the decision to move away? I mean, Worthing had really had a history of playing the younger players. Like now,
1: I mean, I, 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 honestly, I don't really know, but I think they have been more playing younger players more recently. But at that time, I couldn't name one, you know, youth player that was playing in the Division 1 men's team. And uh for me, it was about always kind of pushing myself and being out of my comfort zone, and always you know, I wanted to play at that next, at that higher level. And uh, Reading obviously had a lot of young players come through the system and play in their men's team, and then move on to, uh, to go elsewhere. So that was kind of something that I kind of looked at and said, you know, this is the kind of the path I want to take, rather than just playing under-18s for two more years and then figuring it out from there.
0: Was there any um, Was there any consideration for leaving to go abroad at that age or was it, did you know that you were to stay in until you were 18? Uh
1: well I actually, had, I, I had one when I was 16. I had one trial with uh, Zaragoza uh, here in Spain. Uh They didn't want me. And then I had another trial in, the next year where I did get an offer, but I just kind of felt like at that point, it was like in between, so it was in between my first and second years of, of college. So it kind of was like, I'm halfway done here. I've you know I've had a, I have a few good offers uh, for college like, in my back pocket. Like, is it is it really worth throwing all those away for this opportunity here? I just didn't feel like it. It was the right move for me, and uh, and my dad. You know, my dad was very key in, in helping me make that decision, and he be, he felt the same way. And so yeah, so
0: America it was. I felt like it. I I don't know whether right. I I probably need to actually look at the. Um the data properly, but I feel like, uh, you were one of the first around that time to make the jump straight from college, well, from English college, uh, to, to us college. I don't, I I feel like before then there was still, people were still, um, very much doing like a prep year, uh, and kind of going to the States for a year and, and getting sort of trying to get exposure or whatever before, uh, before going to college. University. It's confusing with both of them called college, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, do you feel like what was your what were your memories of it around that time? Did you like did you have a lot of your peers that were going straight uh, to the states as an eighteen year old, or did you think that most people were doing like a prep year? And had you thought about doing a sort of a third year, either a third year in England or going to the states and doing a prep year before going to university?
1: Uh,
0: I mean, well, I remember at that time. I actually had. A few
1: few people advised me on doing a prep year. Um they felt like if I was exposed to more schools I could have got a you know, a higher level offer. Which may have been true, but um you know, in a way I was lucky. You know, I felt like I had uh Irvine was was the right fit for me straight away. I felt like there was no point in waiting another year. It was just you know, I had the right I had the coach that that wanted me first and foremost, which is which is really important for, for college, going to college in America. It's, to specify yeah um uh i felt like the coaches you know the whole coaching staff you know they had a lot to teach me um it was a great area to live in it was a great school and it didn't it didn't make sense for me to, to wait to do a, a year elsewhere than see what see what else i could have got you know maybe they don't offer me the next year or maybe you know god forbid i get hurt and then you know so yeah. i just felt like the deep use my it came in pretty early actually at the under sixteen uh, european championships was when I first met uh Ariton. and uh you know i didn't I didn't see any point in prolonging this this process of, of finding me a college so I just kind of jumped in
0: what uh what other colleges were you entertaining interest and offers from and kind of talk us i i find the the recruiting process uh, so fascinating cause, you know the Americans do it like like no others, <laughs> um so yeah, can you t- can you talk about kind of uh how that was for you like were you getting hit up by a lot of people? Was it overwhelming at times like uh was it quite manageable like yeah h- how was it I think
1: honestly being being in England made it man- more manageable, you know because i mean I heard stories where I was out there guys getting letters every day from different colleges and and all that and all that, but for me it was um it was kind of it was kind of a, a small pool of schools. Some of which made a real push; others of which were just kind of had me a, as an idea kind of thing. Excuse me. So it was kind of easy for me to, to not not dismiss them, but to say thank you, but no thanks, but no thanks kind of thing. And then the guys that were really interested, like Irvine, uh, Elon, Davidson, were the kind of the main three that were really making a push. Um, I had uh, actually some of them sent me letters. Some of them came to my my address uh, in Worthing. Uh, and then I actually had a lot of emails and, and Skype calls with a, with a couple of them. Uh, all, all three of the head coaches of those schools actually came out to England at one time or another to, to visit me and my family, um, which was which is pretty incredible if you think about it. Just finally over just to say, hey, I want your son to come play for me. So that was pretty <laughs> fine.
0: And did you but, do, did you yeah. do
1: visits? I did. Do, I did two visits. I visited uh, Elon and Irvine. Um, The thing, the reason I, Davidson, although, like, obviously they have a a great head coach and, you know, very Legendary, and um, uh, Bob McKillop, Um, I just felt like Davidson and Elon were very similar in terms of the the school size, the the basketball system. I just kind of felt more comfortable with Elon, so I kind of was like, if I'm going to go to one of those two, it would be Elon, so I'll just do the visit to Elon, and then Irvine, she was on the other side of the country were a very different kind of kind of vibe and kind of feel so I those I kind of had like two different experiences um, after the visits I just felt like Irvine was the place for me
0: what what were the visits like did they uh, did they put on anything like did they put on anything special for you did they did they you know like you see in the movies that you uh, the kind of um, video montages they do on the big screens or kind of like what was the how were you treated on your visit um, I mean, they they want you to go to your school, so
1: they were very very nice. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I don't, maybe there was. I don't remember there being any montages. But you know, I had a. They kind of want what what both schools actually try to do was have you around the team a lot, around the guys, that, um, so that you kind of get a, a feel for who they are and and you know the kind of people they are, so you can you know see if you see how comfortable you feel with them. Um, but yeah, so basically. From what I remember because it feels like it was so long ago. Um, <laughs> they show you around the school. Obviously, they show you where you'd be living. They show you the court, etc. Then normally you'll play uh, you know, some pickup. I played pickup on both my visits. The the Irvine one was tougher because obviously the the longer flight, the the bigger time difference. I was extremely jet lagged, so um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I was ready. But um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, you play a bit of pickup. You meet the guy. You see the school. Uh, they take you out to eat in these nice places. They, you know, get you dessert, anything you really want, um, and then they they're just nice. You know, they're really polite. <laughs> they're really because they want you to come represent
0: them. So, and what was it that ultimately swung it for you? Like, why, why, why UC Irvine?
1: um well, It wasn't easy, but I just I just felt like the this, the basketball system. You know, the way they run their offense, and it's because uh, Elon was. More of a motion kind of offense, whereas I've been running pick and roll with Reading for the last two years, and I felt like that was where I was more comfortable. And then Irvine were a much more pick and roll orientated uh, team, as well as a uh, uh, post post up. So that was kind of what I was used to, and it, it made sense. I felt like that would be a better fit for me. It would give me a better chance
0: to to excel. So. And did you, in your mind, you know, obviously we know now looking back that you've done, you know, you made a Conference Player of the Year, and you had all these incredible achievements. But in your mind, um, were you intent on, you know, you want to be the man on the team, you want to be a leader on the team, you want to get minutes, like it's important to play straight away, like how much did all of that stuff factor into it?
1: I mean, I didn't go in thinking oh, I need to be the man or anything like that, you know, um, I definitely wanted to play, I didn't want to go somewhere where I would be watching for a year or even sitting out, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on resharing, um, I felt like I was ready to play at a level, um. Uh, and luckily I uh, got a chance to, to do that at Irvine um, but yeah that was my main thing was you know does this system fit me will I fit into this, to the system and will I actually play in the games um, uh, so that, those were my kind of concerns and then obviously you know the school and the living conditions were, were also high up on that priority list
0: it helps living in California as well right?
1: Uh, it's alright <laughs> right.
0: bit of sunshine um, <laughs> yeah I, I feel like as well that the the kind of the school's basketball program has really kind of just risen to prominence in the time that you were there as well. Like, where it, I don't know, maybe maybe that's just because I I followed it a lot closely when you were playing there. But um, I don't know. Do you think that's fair to say that the sort of the basketball program as a whole has just grown in terms of its status uh, nationally over the last four or five years? I mean, I, I think from the, from
1: uh, when Coach Turner arrived there, I was my freshman year was Coach Turner's fourth year. Uh, at Irvine, which meant like it was all his recruits and his players that were coming in. Um, but I think the kind of that process had kind of started a couple of years before me. The year before I went there, they made it to the conference final. You know, they're they had, they had some good players who I, who I still who I know now who are still around the school and I see a lot. One of which became the uh, third assistant coach in Michael Wilder. Um, but that kind of was the kind of the the, the power of the of UC Irvine kind of came through the year before I, I got there, and then I was just. Lucky enough to be able to carry that through um, in the next few years. But Coach Turner's done a great job in, in changing that program because they weren't a very respected program before he got there, and he's he's made it into something something serious.
0: So, did you find uh, the transition to college basketball from Division One men's basketball uh, relatively easy? Like, how would you compare the difference between the the British game that you were used to playing Division One men's and the um, you know in your freshman year of college? Um, excuse me, I think, uh, I mean, the main thing at first was this, was
1: the way, was this, just the speed of the game and how, excuse me, uh, how how quickly everyone, like, how quick everyone is first and foremost, because there's a lot of athletic guys who, you know, are just trying to get up and down the court. Um, then also defensively for me was the biggest adjustment, I think, uh, along with their quickness, I had to learn how to stay in front of guys while also, you know, being able to contest shots. Um, I don't think it's hard to say which one was easier to let it now because again I have to make the same adjustments. It's, yeah, it's a different kind of adjustment, but uh, in a way, it's not. It's, it's really hard to explain.
0: Um, I feel I feel like it's in some ways uh, it's a weird thing because because playing obviously playing against men, you know, most of the guys, that, uh, the other guys that would have been on that on that team in your first year would have been playing against against high schoolers you know, their entire, their entire life. So in some ways, that gives you an advantage, right, by But then on the, on the opposite side of that, the high schoolers that they're playing against are obviously a lot quicker and a lot more athletic than the men that you're playing against in England. So it kind of balances yeah. itself out, even though they might not be as strong. Um, yeah. But did, you, did your teammates feel like... Like, how was it being an English guy? Like, did, did they... Was there a thing of like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that English guys could play ball? Like... Um, <laughs> Kind of yeah. What was yeah. the what was the general perception from people of you coming there from England?
1: Yeah, I mean that, that was a little bit of that. There was never it was never disrespectful. It's just obviously it's not very common. Um, but uh, you know I had to kind of earn, earn my own respect out there, which um, which I think I did pretty pretty early on. Uh, especially most most importantly with my teammates because if they respect you, then you know kind of you learn you can learn to play together and then play on the court together like against other teams. So. The first, of them, the first thing was earning the respect of my teammates because I felt like the coaches respected me already. They'd seen what I could do. they team seen me play, obviously, with England and with the uh, Red Rockets, so they kind of knew who I was and they knew what my game was. But these are the guys who I've never, I've met, you know, once before and spent, you know, 24 hours with. They don't really know, like, how, like, my game and uh, what I can do. So, it was about proving myself at first. And then, you know, once I got like, over
0: that hump, there was no really, oh, you know, she can't do kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, and then um culturally like how did you find america
1: yeah i I get asked that a lot especially from american people they're kind of like is the culture for me anyway i didn't feel like the culture was a whole lot different maybe that's because you know i grew up in like a, a basketball culture with my dad and my sister obviously we always it was just all basketball orientated then my teammates in england you know maybe it's a basketball culture but i didn't really feel like living in America was any different from living in England, if that makes sense. Obviously yeah. the people were different and you know but I don't feel like I never felt out of place.
0: So then kind of you know coming going back to sort of the, the UK connection uh nowadays like do you how much do you follow uh the BBL and the National Basketball League uh in England? Are you kind of on top of it do you do you kind of roughly follow it or are you kind of just out of touch with it um i kind of see what comes up on my timeline on twitter um yeah
1: that's that's about it <laughs> to be
0: honest what's your perception uh of the bbl like is it you know i speak to a lot of guys uh obviously that are playing abroad and kind of they all say that in an ideal world they would love to play in the uk they would love to play uh yeah you know in the bbl with you know, uh, being able to earn the same amount of money that they can earn abroad and playing in front of their friends and their family would be, you know, the ideal situation. Like, do you think Definitely. for you, is that sort of a similar sentiment where it's kind of like the only reason you're not in the UK is because essentially, you know, the situation isn't, isn't good enough for you to be there? Um, or is it something that you, you feel like even if the UK league was very, very strong and had a strong fan base... And had you know bigger budgets and finances and whatever else, you would still want to do the thing. Uh, you you still want to experience playing in Europe and playing overseas. Uh,
1: I mean, I guess obviously, obviously, if I could play in front of my you know my family, that would be amazing. You know, I would I would always love to do that. But uh, you know, that's not it's not a perfect world. We don't live we don't live in a perfect world, but. Uh, um, I think, in a way, maybe even if the BBL was kind of on par with some of these, you know, European leagues, it would be good as a, just, you know, get some life experience uh, elsewhere, you know, maybe wherever it is you go. I think it's always good to kind of, again, like I said, get out of your comfort zone. And yeah. if you're being in you know, Spain, I don't speak any Spanish, there's people around me, I kind of, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't feel like I belong here, but I feel like, in terms of like not not basketball wise, this is all like kind of off the court stuff now. I don't, I don't feel like you know this is this is like a home if that makes sense. But I feel like it it I it's already hard to explain. But I feel like it could be you know I feel yeah. like I'm settling. I don't feel I don't feel out of place, but I don't feel settled in. And I'm, it's really hard. I, I don't yeah. know if I'm making any sense, but uh, I know exactly what I'm. Doing. <laughs> so so the, um, when you
0: uh in terms of your your own personal interactions with the BBL like um. When you were in the UK, were you getting, Did you ever get any type of interest from BBL clubs uh, potentially trying to sign you to, you know, like a, a junior type of contract or uh, or anything like that? Or even or even I mean, now it would be interesting uh, since you've graduated from, from UC Irvine. Have you had any contact with any BBL clubs? Have any of them even tried um, to potentially see whether they could they could sign you? Um, no, not that I
1: know of, and no. my age. Heard something and just not mentioned it. I don't know, but I haven't heard. I've, maybe I did. I don't remember perfectly, perfectly to be honest. But uh, I don't think I've had any any interest from BBL
0: clubs. Do you think? Like, I'm always in two minds about it because like this part of me is like, if I was a BBL club, I would I would want to show interest in all of the top British guys, even if I knew that they were completely out of my budget, yeah. right? Just to-, to lose. Yeah, but and it's almost like just to show them that you care and that you're interested because then even if it means that towards the end of your career, if the BBL you know, not where, it, where we want it to be, uh, you might then think, oh, like, I'll spend the last couple of years in the UK and try and give back to the game there or whatever and, and this was a team that reached out to me when I left college. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, on the flip side of that, it's like if I was a BBL team and you know there's someone like you, you might just think, well, you know, there's no point in them. Like, this is almost like for them to even think that I would go and play for them when I have offers in the ACB is just dumb. Like, kind of, uh, where, do you, where do you sit on, on that? Like, would you think that, that uh, BBL team should be reaching out to, you know, some of the top British guys that are coming out of college that are more than likely to sign in the, in the, in the top-tier leagues in Europe? Or do you think they should just be kind of staying in their lane and staying away from that and, and, and more reaching out to players that are more of the level, if you want to, if you want to say that? Um... You know what? This is a side of things that I
1: I don't know anything about. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just I just I just play. I I step on the court and do what I can. Um, but in terms of the business side of things, to be honest, I I don't really have an opinion. I just have to kind of stick to what I know and what I do. And uh, you know, I I don't think it would be a I don't think anyone would be insulted if oh I wouldn't have been insulted if a BBO team got in contact. But um, yeah, I would I would probably say thanks, but no thanks.
0: But um, yeah. yeah, I don't really be honest okay so we're coming up uh, roughly to an hour so I've got some more um, some more sort of shorter questions which you can give longer answers to but uh, but more rapid fire uh, questions so the first one is the best junior player from England that you've ever played against oh
1: god um, I would say I had some battles with Jordan Spencer back in the day under 13 times
0: under 13s. Under 13,
1: under 14s, me and Jordan went at it a little
0: bit. Are you still in touch with Jordan a lot?
1: Not a lot, every now and then. But.
0: Yeah. Uh, most memorable moment of your career so far? Uh, NCA tournament, sophomore year. One thing you would do if you were the CEO of the British Basketball Federation? I would, I'm not answering that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would hire my dad. To make him let him make all decisions. That's what I would do. Uh, Hi, Steve Nelson.
0: That's a good one. Um, what do you want to do when your playing career is over?
1: Man, I'm 22. Man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have you had no uh, Have
0: you had no thoughts about what you would do if you weren't playing basketball?
1: Uh, I try not to, but uh, I know I love the game. I want to be involved in one way or another.
0: But specifically, I
1: don't
0: know. Your basketball goals for the next three years.
1: Um, I guess it's about earning respect in in, in the ACB because this is where I will be for this foreseeable future. Uh, I want to earn respect of of the league. Um, I guess when, and that's it. You know, make sure I, I keep improving on myself and my game. Just earn, earn respect.
0: The NBA is kind of always on everyone's uh, on everyone's trajectory when they're thinking uh, into the future. Like, how much of that of do you think about? Um, do you still believe that um, you have the ability to make it, that you're going to make it? Yeah, um, I, I believe that I can. But then again, knowing you
1: can and actually doing something are two very different things. So, as I said, just got to keep making sure I, if I, you know, I feel like earning respect in this league will kind of give me a chance to, to make that, that league.
0: But, but first of all, I've got to do that. So. What advice would you give to a young player wanting to be where you are now? work you know there's no shortcuts uh it's funny
1: i feel like a lot like it's just something really super unrelated but i see all these ads about how you know get a get a get a six pack in a week and this is like you know what it's for me like i I don't believe in the shortcuts you know if you want to if you want something you gotta work for it and if you don't if you don't want it enough then you're not gonna work for it so i mean i know it's hard to get to get facilities and and things like that but you know if there's a will there's a way so don't, don't make excuses for yourself. That's, that's the best thing I can say. Don't, don't make excuses
0: for yourself. If you want something, go get it. I think that is a uh, perfect place to leave it. Um, Luke, thank you so much. It is much appreciated. We'll have to um, get you in, on here for a part two, maybe when your rookie season's over and kind of uh, check in on how that's going. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, no. best of luck for the season and, and thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Sam. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.